turn in your Bible to Proverbs chapter 10. Proverbs chapter 10, in just a minute we'll look at verse number 9. Integrity is a major problem in the United States of America today. Recent studies, 91% of all Americans say that they routinely lie. Did you get that? 91% of all Americans say, 9 out of 10, say that they routinely lie. Even within the church, there is a problem. George Barna conducted research in which 3,700 teenagers involved in church activities answered 193 questions. The statistics are amazing to me. Two out of three, church youth. Two out of three regularly lie to their parents, their teachers, or other adults. Six out of ten lie to their friends. One in three has cheated on an exam. So what's occurring in this nation today is a decline in morality. The concept of integrity simply isn't there. Mark Twain said, if you tell the truth, you don't have to remember what you said. Twain also said on another occasion, always do right. This will gratify most people and astonish the rest. So the concern for integrity has been a major concern throughout history. Diogenes, who was a Greek philosopher, once lighted a candle during the daytime saying that he was going to walk around until he found an honest man. Blaise Pascal said he did not expect to meet three honest men in a century. And the Institute of Behavior Modification found that 97 out of 100 people tell lies, and they do it about a thousand times per year. Now, statistics are nice, but let's get more personal. What about you? Is there a lack of integrity in your life? What about your children? Jesus said, what shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and yet he loses his own soul? And so for 30 pieces of silver, Judas sold out the Messiah. What's your price? What is your price? What if if your integrity was up for sale? What would it take to get you to abandon the principles of morality and uh, decency? Let's look then at this verse of scripture and then attempt to define what it means to have integrity. Proverbs chapter 10 verse 9, let's stand together as we read the inspired, infallible, inerrant word of God. Solomon says, he who walks with integrity walks securely, but he who perverts his ways will become known. So he who walks with integrity walks with security. He who perverts his ways will become known. Let's pray. Father, we pray now that uh, we'd begin to understand this, uh, that this is an issue of uh, 
belief in you. This is an issue of trust and faith. And so for believers, the fact that we're having this problem in the world, but we have it in the church, uh, says that there's a lack of faith and understanding about your word. Help us to understand it this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you're going to define integrity, maybe you'd use some synonyms like honesty, faithfulness, sincerity, innocence. Integrity means having a mind that is free of subterfuge, free of deception. Integrity means that you and I are willing to put ourselves on trial to be judged by the standards of God, and we are going to refuse to be deluded and deceived by anything that would self-exonerate us. So as believers, where do your moral values come from? Your moral values come from the Bible. As believers, the Bible is our final authority of faith and practice. What we believe, what we do, is determined by what is taught in the Scripture. Integrity, then, is David when he said, against thee, when he prayed to God, Psalm 51, against thee and thee only have I sinned. Integrity is Moses, who was no longer willing to cower from responsibility, even if it cost him the pleasure of Pharaoh's palace. Integrity is Stephen being stoned to death, and yet never renouncing his faith, even though that would have enabled him to avoid the stones of his accusers. Integrity is 24-year-old Abraham Lincoln serving as the postmaster of New Salem, Illinois, for an annual salary of $55.70. New Salem Post Office was closed in 1836, but it was several years before the United States government was able to settle the accounts with ex-postmaster Abraham Lincoln. Lincoln at the time was a struggling lawyer, wasn't making much money, he was not doing well. Uh, By his own uh, admission, he was as poor as Job's turkey, he said. So the agent finally comes to close out accounts on this post office that has been closed now for several years. And the agent informed Lincoln that there was a, an amount due to the government of $17. Remember, Abraham Lincoln not doing well as a lawyer, doesn't have any money. Lincoln got up from his chair and he walked across the room and opened an old trunk. He took out a yellow cotton cloth that had been bound with a string. He untied it and laid it open in front of the government agent, and in that cloth there was exactly $17. He had been holding that money all those years. Post office had been closed for years. Government had just not settled up accounts, but Lincoln said, I refuse to use any man's money but my own. He didn't have anything would have been just as easy for him to say, I'll just use this $17, who knows when they're going to come get it, and I'll use it, and then when they come back, I'll pay them back uh, eventually. That's integrity. Integrity means that you abide by your convictions against all odds. Even when your closest friends are saying, I came, I saw, I conquered, 
A person with integrity is the one who is able to say, I came, I saw, and I conquered by the power and through the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Have you ever thought about how dependent you are and I am on the integrity of other people? Just go to the bank. You go to the bank and you hand a person that you do not know most of the time. Now, I know we live in Mayberry, and so everybody knows the bank tellers, but I don't know who my bank teller is. I, I recognize her, but I, I don't know her name. I don't know anything about her. She may be an axe murderer for all I know. Uh, I, I know nothing about her, and I hand her money, and I say, here, I want you to put this in the bank for me. What am I dependent on? I'm dependent on the fact that she or he is going to have integrity in their life, and they're going to do with my money what I ask them to do. I'm dependent on them. And that happens all the time. You are responsible, you are dependent on somebody's integrity. Well, have you ever thought about how many people are dependent on your integrity? Proverbs 25, 19 gives a very graphic description of a person who lacks integrity. It says, trusting in an unreliable person in a difficult time is like a rotten tooth or faltering feet. You ever had a rotten tooth? It's annoying, among other things. You ever had trouble with your feet? Solomon says, a person who doesn't have integrity is like walking around all the time with a rotten tooth. Or a hurting foot. Let's illustrate this uh, with a story from the scripture about a lack of integrity. It's found in the 27th chapter of Genesis. It's a story about a man named Jacob. As a young man, Jacob is one of two sons of Isaac, if you remember. There's Jacob and there is Esau. And Jacob is put into a position and into a situation that was promoted by his mother, to be deceitful to his father in order that he would receive the blessing of the father. In fact, Rebekah is, is the main culprit in this whole thing in devising this plan of deceitfulness, and this plan is going to end up characterizing Jacob's life for the rest of his life. He's going to have to deal with this for the rest of his life. And so what occurs in Genesis 27 was Rebekah overhearing a conversation between Esau and Isaac. And Isaac says, you remember Esau is the one who loved the outdoors. He loved fishing, he loved hunting, he loved the outdoors. And so uh, Jacob says to, or um, Isaac says to Esau, I want you to go out and hunt some game and bring it back and make me a stew and bring it in and I will give you the blessing of, of, of the family. So Isaac is ready to give the blessing to Esau. Well, Rebekah heard that, and who was Rebekah's favorite child? Well, it was Jacob. And so she pulled Jacob off to the side, and she said, listen, I just overheard your brother and your father talking, and he said, bring me some meat, prepare me some tasty food so that I may give you the blessing in the presence of the Lord before I die. Well, you know the story. One thing led to another. She cooks the food so that Isaac can present it to, um, or so that Jacob can present it to Isaac. 
she dresses him up in such a way because Isaac's eyesight is not good. And Jacob says, suppose he reaches out and touches me, he'll realize I'm not the one because Esau is hairy and I'm not. She said, oh, I got that all figured out. And so she figures out this whole thing, prepares the food for Isaac and brings it in and they tricked the dying father. Now, if you go back and read that story, here's what you will discover. You will discover that Jacob knew this was wrong even as he was doing it. And he says to his mother, "Let uh, we can't do this. This is, this is wrong. And what does she say to him? Don't worry about it. Let the curse fall on me. You just let, the, let me worry about that. He said, well, well mom, what if, my, what if my dad touches me? I would appear to be tricking him, and that would bring down a curse on myself rather than a blessing. He knew it was wrong, but he still went along with his mother's response and leadership. And listen, he would have to fight the pain of disappointing his father. He would have to fight the pain of disgusting his brother for robbing him of the blessing for the rest of his life. Little did Rebecca know that the curse she was saying, let it fall on me, would plague Jacob's life for the rest of his life. As parents, I think sometimes we don't even realize or understand that we are active participants in the downfall of our children because we often justify what they do and and then we lead them in that direction anyway. We let our kids do whatever they want to do, and we come up with some justification as to why they've done and acted and behaved the way that they do. King David is another example of this idea of integrity deficit. David was a great man of God, but the Bible tells his story with some very sad commentary about a lapse in his judgment. 2 Samuel 11, verse 1, the Bible says, in the springtime... At a time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Reba, but David remained in Jerusalem. You know what that verse says? David wasn't doing what he was supposed to be doing. He wasn't where he was supposed to be, and he ended up getting in trouble. David walks out of his house, you know, he's on the top of his roof walking around at night looking across the fence into his neighbor's yard, and what does he see? He sees Bathsheba taking a bath. She's the wife of one of his soldiers, Uriah the Hittite. And so one thing leads to another, and David says, who is that? And they tell him who it is, and he says, invite her over here, Uh, I'd like to see her. They had an affair, Bathsheba gets pregnant. David then has to devise a plan to do what? Kill Uriah. He ends up killing this woman's husband. No big deal. He said, I'll just keep it to myself. I'll just keep it concealed. And even after Uriah the Hittite dies, David marries her trying to make it right. But God wouldn't allow that sin to do what? He wouldn't allow it to go unnoticed. In in 2 Samuel chapter 12, this prophet by the name of Nathan comes in and deals with David's sin. He uncovers it. Listen to this. Write it down. Whatever you try to cover up, God will uncover. 
Whatever you try to cover up, God will uncover. Whatever you uncover and ask for forgiveness and repent of, God will cover it in the blood of Jesus. Integrity is taking responsibility for your own actions. You see, you and I have to fight with this issue of integrity. It doesn't make a difference how old you are, how spiritual you are, how unholy you are. The drive toward dishonesty is always going to linger in your life because there is a sin nature that remains in your flesh even after you get saved. But God wants you and I to walk in integrity. He wants us to be able to give our children and our grandchildren the keys to integrity. So what is it? What is integrity? Well, look at what Solomon says in chapter 10, verse 9. First thing he says is, integrity is a shield. Integrity is a shield. He who walks with integrity walks securely. Now, integrity itself is not actually the shield. God is the shield. As a shield is used to take the arrows and the shots intended for the one behind the shield, it's the Lord who takes our potential injury on himself. The fact that the Bible calls God our shield means that we're engaged in warfare. Back up to Proverbs chapter 2. Proverbs chapter 2, look at what verse 7 says. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He, God, is a shield to those who walk uprightly. And then the verse we just read, he who walks uprightly or walks with integrity walks securely. God is our shield. So a person who dares to maintain a life of integrity can, be, can expect what? Danger from spiritual warfare. I don't think we talk about this nearly enough, but you and I are engaged and involved in a daily battle that is in the spiritual realm that we don't even see going on. There are things happening in the, in the realm of the spiritual that you and I are unaware of, but what ends up happening is we get involved in the spiritual warfare. And when you valiantly, when you virtuously maintain your integrity... God says, I will be your shield because you're going to get arrows shot at you. The world is going to fire its best shot at you. And so if you try to maintain your integrity in whatever it is that you do, you need a shield. God is that shield. And as God is my shield, he guides, he guards me against a guilty conscience. He guards me against public exposure. He guards me against embarrassment. He guards me against false accusations. When we live a life of integrity, we will not disgrace the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. When we live a life of integrity, we're going to be the kind of person that you could let out of the car at one end of the worst street in our city at sundown and pick them up at the other end at sunrise and they'd still be just as virtuous as they were when you let them out. When you commit to a life of integrity, you say, God is my shield. Here's the second thing. Proverbs chapter 10 verse 9 says, integrity is security. So God is my shield. Integrity is security. 
The one who lives with integrity lives securely. That's talking about your lifestyle. When your life is over, God is not going to measure uh, your integrity by your moments of brilliance. He measures your integrity by your consistency. How do you live a life of integrity? Well, look in the middle of the word. In the middle of the word integrity, what do you find? The word grit. It takes grit. Integrity means that I have to have a mind to stand by my convictions regardless of the consequences. Doing right because it's right. Doing right for the sake of God, and that is, for the believer, the only rule of our life. Integrity means that I will not deceive you regardless of the, of the circumstances or regardless of the consequences. Listen, when you determine to lie to somebody, when you determine that I'm going to have to tell a lie in order to do this, you are actually saying that you don't trust God to make your situation work out for good. You're saying, I don't believe Romans 8.28. When you decide that I've got to lie in order to make this work, you're saying, I don't trust God. Integrity is the key to a life of self-respect. Integrity is the key to a life of a peaceful conscience. Second part of verse 9 says, but whoever perverts his ways will be found out. Oh, what a tangled web we weave when first we practice to deceive. Remember? Guess who gets caught in the web? I do. You do. My mama always told me when you tell one lie, you have to tell another lie to cover up the first lie you told, and then you have to tell a bigger lie to cover up the other two lies, and before long, you've told so many lies, you don't even know what the truth is anymore. And that's where we live in America today. One lie on top of another on top of another, and it's not just in government. It happens right in the church. And we justify our actions by saying, well, I had, to, I had to tell a little white lie. A lie is a lie. I don't care what color it is. Young man, young woman, a lack of integrity is when you're at home and you hear your parents' cell phone ring you hear them talking in the next room and you hear them say something like this. He did what? You saw him where? He was with who? And all of a sudden you want to tiptoe out the back door because you know trouble's coming. And parents, when that happens, listen to me. Trouble should come. The great philosopher Barney Fife said, you got to nip it. Nip it in the bud. There will be, listen, this is what I told my children, there'll be no molly coddling around here. We're not going to have that. Listen, I don't care whether you're young or you're old, when you become more concerned about pleasing God than you are pleasing people, that's when integrity has taken over in your life. But when you are more concerned about having the, the, uh, the praise of people 
than you are with having the praise of God, then you've lost integrity. When we're more concerned about who we are than what we have, that's when integrity is in control. So, Pastor, how do you do that? How do you cultivate a life of integrity? How do you secure what Solomon's talking about here in Proverbs? Let me give you just a couple of things. Four things that you ought to be doing in your own life, but listen, even more importantly, you ought to be teaching this to your children. You ought to be teaching this to your grandchildren. Very, four very simple things. Write them down. Number one, always choose honesty. Always choose honesty. Romans 8, 5. For those who live according to the flesh, think about the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, think about things of the Spirit. So the key to this, the key to this is setting your mind upon what God wants from your life. Remember this. Honesty is a choice. It is always a choice. Honesty is a choice. Calvin Miller He's now deceased, but at one time he was a professor at Southwestern uh, Seminary in Fort Worth. He confessed to his students that many years ago that one time he was in seminary, he had to study for a test, and he knew he had to study all day. He was working nights, and he had to get this test. He had to pass this test, and he knew if he was going to pass it, he was going to also uh, have to skip work in order to get it done. And he didn't want to tell his boss that he had to study for a test, so he hit upon what he determined was an ingenious idea. He and his wife were going to have fish sticks for supper. So he lay on his bed and he said, give me those frozen fish sticks. And he pitched them up in the air and then he caught them. And he said, now call my boss and tell him that I'm flat on my back and I just threw up my supper. Now, was he wrong? No, he, he was exactly, he was right. He was flat on his back and he threw up his supper. That's not, he, he wasn't telling a lie, really. It was true, but was it honest? Was it honest? No, because it was deliberately designed to deceive. You see how suddenly these little white lies can worm their way into your life until all of a sudden nothing is sacred. People can get away with it. Standards of honesty and integrity are violated. Always choose honesty. Number two, communicate the consequences of dishonesty. Communicate the consequences of dishonesty. Rebecca failed as a parent. She failed miserably with Jacob when she said, don't worry about it, I'll take the blame. You go ahead and do what it is we've decided to do, and instead of you taking the blame, I'll take the blame. I'll cover for you. She says, I'll take the curse. I'll be responsible because you tricked your father. Now, that's just not possible. Nobody can cover for you. You cannot take the blame for somebody else. 
you must realize that there are consequences to your behavior. Will Rogers says, live in such a way that you would not be ashamed to sell your parrot to the town gossip. Our lives reveal who we are. Quite frankly, sometimes we don't think about what will happen if we choose dishonesty rather than integrity. The Bible teaches us God wants to bless us and he will bless us when we choose righteousness over sinfulness. Proverbs 13, 21, it says, disaster pursues sinners, but good rewards the righteous. So our actions have consequences. In a book called The Race, John White tells about a young man who told a malicious story about an older man in the community. And he became convicted about it, and so he went to the old man and he apologized. He said, what can I do to make it right? And the old man had the young acquaintance bring him a pillow. The elderly fellow went up to the belfry of the church, had the fellow tear open the pillowcase, take the flap, flap it out across the side. Feathers went flying everywhere. They blew until they were scattered all over the countryside. The old man said, now go pick up every one of those feathers. Boy said, I can't do that. That's impossible. And that is exactly right. That's what happens. Every time you slander, that's, every, that's what happens. Every time you tell a lie about somebody else, Think about the consequences of your actions before you do it. Maybe you'll think twice. Here's the third thing. Be accountable. That's especially hard for men. One fellow said, a man who says I'm a self-made man simply describes the horror of unskilled labor. We need to be accountable. The people who truly love us will hold us accountable. Here's something I don't understand. Never have understood it. Why would you spread a criticism that is nothing more than a rumor and slander against somebody that you say you love? Can you answer me that? Why would you spread a rumor or slander about somebody that you say you love. Well, pastor, um, they said. Who is they? Well, well, folks are talking. Who? Nine times out of ten, folks aren't talking. You're talking. You're talking but we love to put it off on somebody. And so, well, I just heard. Now, listen, Pastor, I'm going to tell you this, but I'm just telling you this so you know how to pray. Oh, I'm fully aware how to pray for people. I don't need you to help me with that one. Uh, I, I know how to do it. Well, Pastor, don't use my name. Now, don't say I said it. I don't want my name involved in it. Oh, your name's already involved in it. It's all, they, they said. Oh, but it wasn't me, but it was they. I don't understand that. Listen, if, if they're as bad as you claim they are, why don't you go somewhere else? 
Why don't you do something else? Well, I'm just telling the truth. No, you aren't. You're telling part of the truth, and your intent is to try and make somebody else look bad in that process. When you see something, you don't know why it was done. When you hear something, and you don't know why it was said. And when you repeat it in a way that can cause harm, and you repeat it in a way that is to create a certain kind of impression, listen to me. You are a liar. You are a deceiver. You are a slanderer. And God God will judge you for that. Remember the story of David? The Bible says that when kings went out to war, David stayed in. He wasn't where he was supposed to be, which led him to doing something he ought not to have been doing, then he got more than he bargained for in the end of it. Remember this, when you point a finger at somebody, the three others at least pointing back at you. You want God's presence in your life? Remember, God is our shield. Integrity is our security. And truth is not just something you say you believe in. It's something you do. A.W. Tozer said this, "A A real Christian is an odd number anyway. He talks familiarly every day to somebody he cannot see. He expects to go to heaven on a virtue of somebody else. He empties himself in order to be full, admits he is wrong so he can be declared right, goes down in order to get up, is strongest when he is weakest, richest when he is poorest, happiest when he feels the worst. He dies so he can live, forsakes in order to have, gives away so he can keep, sees the invisible, hears the inaudible, and he knows a peace that passes all understanding. When we commit ourselves to live lives of integrity before God and others, that's when we finally become effective witnesses for him.